Petrie was traded again yesterday, and that should serve as yet another reminder. Heck, not even a reminder, really. How about an appreciation of everything and everyone that was sent out as part of the Eric Carlson trade? Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into Football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. Going out on the Carlson trade were Petrie, Casey DeSmith, and completely, at least in-house, failed prospect Nathan Legere. I'm not going to get into burying Petrie and or DeSmith. They were in the NHL. They were contributors. They were pros. At times, they played well. At times, they didn't. I'm still of the mind that Petrie was better than most people thought he was over the course of the season. But when you miss one-third of it, as he did to injury, it's going to rightly and fairly color his tenure. And to Smith, we've been over that one a million times. He is what he is. He's a number three goaltender in a number two role. And Legere, just to round out that group, was, of course, a regular healthy scratch in Wilkes-Barre last winter. And this after a very promising introduction to Pittsburgh back when he was initially drafted. And it looked like, I mean, just his frame, his skating, his really hard, heavy shot that he's got, that there was going to be some future for him. But, you know... You can't motivate the unmotivated. And let's see if playing in his hometown does it. But continuing on here and looking at the rest of this, what went to San Jose was Mikhail Granlund, Jan Ruda, and in a sort of way, Mike Hoffman. Hoffman was a penguin for like about three seconds on paper, but it's really Granlund and Ruda. That were sent out. Granland, of course, a $5 million cap hit this coming season and the next would have been devastating when piled on top of Jeff Carter's dead money. And Carter's going to be playing and it's going to be dead money. But to have eight, nine million dollars of it tied up like that out of a total $83 million cap. Wow. I mean, that was going to hurt so bad. And there's still another year of the Jack Johnson thing. So you're talking about close to $10 million. We're just going to be sitting there totally wasted. And Ruda, while I liked his play and I liked his fit with the Mike Sullivan system here too, like the Petrie situation more than most, he played hurt. And I mean, significantly hurt through the second half of the regular season. And he just kept coming back and saying, yeah, I can go, I can go, which might have hurt his cause in the long run. But that's another couple million. So what else went out in what, in the moment, at this point of this episode, comes across as the heist of the century in hockey? The Penguins did send a 2024 first-round pick to San Jose, a 2025 second-round pick 
to Montreal. So the Sharks and the Canadians both bought themselves a little bit of bonus hope for their participation in this exchange. And those hurt. I, I'm never going to dismiss or even downplay giving up top picks. When they win the Stanley Cup as a result of making trades that involve first-rounders, second-rounders, nobody says a word. It's only in the three, four, five years after that that it starts to look serious. I take it seriously anytime it happens because I'm also aware, and I was there whenever this team was holding on to its first-rounders and building up champions off of them. But that said, all of that said, the question that comes to my mind, and I'm being completely serious when I ask this, is what was the more impressive component to what Kyle Dubas pulled off here? Was it what came in or what went out? I know, right? It's like as if adding the current Norris Trophy winner off a 101-point season at a reasonable enough age to expect that he can continue to perform at that level for a while isn't enough. It's as if he needed to have even more piled into it. But to have all these complications come into play, to have it fall into this sort of potential trap where the Sharks and the Penguins clearly, very clearly now in hindsight, weren't going to be able to pull this deal off with each other and to have to wait until the Canadians and Kent Hughes swooped in in the final week and rescued it. And to have all of this, by the way, happen against the backdrop of the deadline to buy out Granlin's contract, which I reported earlier in the summer. The Penguins had every intent of doing, meaning if it came to that, but also, as Dubas told people, he didn't want to do it. He found it to be a distasteful practice. You know why? Because it is a distasteful practice. But the deadline was real, and the reason it was real was that Dubas knew he was going to buy out Granlund. And all of that's in play, and this team comes away with Carlson and sends out all of that and exits the process with roughly $700,000 in cap space and still might have enough left over to find a way to bring Thomas Tatar to Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm still dumbfounded over this deal, over the scope of it, over the smarts. It's not the greatest trade in Penguins history, but it might be the most intelligent. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shots brought to you by Family Table. Mom-inspired, chef-prepared meals delivered straight to your door. No prep, no mess, just reheat. That gives you more time for your family or hobbies. Go to FamilyTablePGH.com. Use the code DK40, that's DK40, for 40% off and free delivery on your first order. Order by noon Thursday for Monday delivery. Family Table, bringing families back to the dinner table.
Today's J1Q comes from Derek Mills. He says, hey, DK, love the Daily Shot of Penguins. Keep up the good work. I have one simple and stupid question for you. Why do hockey players overuse the word obviously in interviews? And by the way, I should also mention that most hockey player interviews are basically unlistenable. Derek, I'm going to bite my tongue to an extent on this because my job is to interview them and hopefully come away with interesting stuff. Now, part of that is to make sure that you're picking the right players, meaning the ones that are most likely to give you something insightful, something that'll add to the content that gets produced here, even while understanding and accepting that there's only one Matthew Barnaby every, I don't know, 50 years who comes along and has great quotes. Steve McKenna was another for those of you who go back. Billy Guerin could occasionally crack a funny line. Tom Barrasso, who hated the press, I, I'm convinced hates humanity, was a tremendous quote. The, the level of insight that he would give you was unmatched on those initial two Penguins championship teams. But yeah, wow. Uh, <laughs> it's few and far between. Why do they say obviously? Well, I'm convinced more than anything else, that it has to do, ironically, with the many, many hockey players for whom English is a second language. And let me explain that. When a player comes over, whether it's from Russia, Czechia, Slovakia, wherever, and they're learning English, they're learning it at and on the rink. You're going to have to trust me on this. Some of them will put TV or movies on and try to pick up phrases as they go, but they're not going into any sort of formal ESL classes. That's English as a second language. In fact, I know of almost none who've ever done that because they can speak hockey. So when they're speaking with their teammates or they're speaking with their coaches or even speaking with reporters like me, they're going to use certain words the way you and I will commonly use uh and um and you know. And for them, that word, for whatever reason, in the hockey lexicon has become obviously. It's a time buyer. It's a hang on a second. I don't have that word yet. But if I throw in the word obviously, I've at least bought myself another half a millisecond to get to that word. Similarly, you'll hear tons of usages of the word great. Everything is great. It was a great play, great pass, great breakout, great shot, great everything, great save. Unbelievable is another one. Everything is beyond belief in hockey talk. Unbelievable save, unbelievable this, unbelievable that, unbelievable effort. It's because of what they're doing and what they're saying at the rink. And again, it's the Europeans, or mostly the Eastern Europeans, who are doing this. Now, why do I single out Eastern Europeans? It's, it's pretty simple. The Scandinavians, with very few exceptions, are really good at English. They're taught it in schools. It's not just Swedish and Finnish that they learn. They learn English. Now, you're going to have the occasional exception. Valtteri Pustinen. The prospect who's going to get, hopefully, a real crack at this training camp has almost no English to his background. He's, he's getting a little bit better, but he's not someone who's 
anywhere close to being able to speak it. That's really uncommon. Whereas with the Eastern Europeans, it's much more common because as you're growing up in Eastern Europe, and I'm somebody of Serbian descent, you don't really ever think that you're going to leave. It's not something that crosses your mind. You're not thinking globally as you're there. It's, it's a different world. So I could actually talk about this one for days, but I, I've probably given you too much already and definitely not what you were expecting. I do believe there's a methodology to it. Let's just leave it there. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We're going to do another one of these tomorrow. Tomorrow.